Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping with you. And uh, man, we're just excited to be walking through this new series, The God of My Today. As we're looking at the story of Daniel, and uh, as Daniel was walking through some very tough times, the story of Daniel and how we can take a look at our suffering and how we can look at our God in the midst of our suffering and be able to lay it all before him. The God of my today. And uh, so remember, uh, just a quick reminder, Abraham, somewhere around 2,2100 B.C., we fast forward all the way to about 600 B.C. That's where we're sitting when we're picking up this story of Daniel. So about 1,500 years after the promise has been given to Abraham, Israel has been grown up as a nation, even split into two now, Israel and Judah, and now Daniel has been taken out of Judah over into Babylon, and he is a prisoner there, all right? We're picking up in about 600 B.C., and uh, God is showing his hand, and uh, Man, we're going to see God show his hand in huge ways in this chapter, chapter 2, which will be both this week and next week, uh, as sovereign. Sovereign. And you see the title here, he is sovereign, so I am bold. God is sovereign, so I am bold. And uh, and we need to learn to respond to our sovereign God in the midst of uh, huge uh, struggles. It's easy for us to get uh, pretty sidetracked by our own pain. And all of a sudden, we forget that God is sovereign. And in fact, we start thinking, maybe I need to control a few more things around here, and it'll go a little better. And uh, so here I go. I'm going to give it my shot. And we start weighing in in all the wrong ways. And uh, everybody just say, that's a bad plan. And uh, that is a bad plan. May we not head down that path. And uh, Lord, teach us what you'd have us to know. And uh, what does that even look like? All right, turn with me, if you will, to Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 1. First step, first point, stand firm. When circumstances look bad, trust in your God. Stand firm. When circumstances look bad, trust in your God. This is picking up off of last week with the big battle cry of trust. And uh, man, we see that all the more here in the first part of Daniel 2, as uh, Daniel is faithfully relying on his God. Let's pick it up here in verse 1. It says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And uh, remember, this is the second year now. Nebuchadnezzar in his first year, well, that's when he went from Babylon over to Judah and he took people prisoner, including Daniel, and he brought them back with him. That was year one. Now we're in year two. Nebuchadnezzar is having some bad dreams It says his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. And I love that phrase, my sleep left me. And have you ever been in that position, right, where we're in this spot where we're wrestling and struggling, there's anxiety over whatever we're thinking through, we're trying to figure out what the bigger plan is and what does it look like to go after this and what if and should I and and so we're not getting much sleep. And we're up for long hours into the night and sometimes night after night. And uh, most often that's because we are trying to take it on ourselves. And uh, we're wrestling with a high anxiety. Either that or we had coke like really late at night, right? And uh, so be careful with the uh, choices of what we eat and drink. And uh, But man, be careful how we handle our struggles. And all of God's people said... And uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he had these dreams, and he could tell there was something special about these dreams. He's not like, oh, I had some weird pizza, and I'm not sure what's going on. It's not that. It's way worse. He can tell there's something about these dreams that are bringing to bear what God has to say, and he's not sure what they mean and what their import is. And his spirit was troubled. His sleep left him. It says, the king commanded that the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. And uh, the king commanded that these wise men, right, that's the nickname given to them, these are the ones who come and counsel the king. And uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. Why are these the wise men? Well, these are the guys who tapped in to uh, pretty dark occultic action. 
They would communicate with demonic forces and they would try to bring out information that human beings wouldn't know, but maybe they could find out these demons, these evil spirits. And so these guys, these magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and Chaldeans, they became the experts for whatever was beyond logic. They would go and get the updates, the information from the dark forces of this world, and they would bring it to the king and give him some level of counsel. And uh, the king tapped into this and felt like it was giving him some sense of security, although we fully grasped these guys were tapping into some pretty dark things, and we'll see that come up in just a second. So he pulls them in, and he says to them, uh, tell me my dreams. So they came in, and they stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever, tell your servant the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. Man, we have to grasp this. He's like, I'm telling you, I am nervous beyond all get out. There's something about the, tell me my dreams, tell me what's going on here. And they're like, great, we understand. Tell us the dream, and we'll try to tell you some of the interpretation here, right? And in fact, notice it says, the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, in Aramaic, and just so you know, at this point in Daniel, right here, the next word after the word Aramaic, it goes into the Aramaic now for all of the rest of chapters 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. It's all in Aramaic. It's not in Hebrew. And so chapter 1 was in Hebrew, pretty much representing when Daniel was coming out of Judah and he's speaking as a Hebrew and giving you his viewpoint. And now we're switching into the Babylonian area. And so the Aramaic language being used and now it's being spoken to the king. And so Aramaic is now what picks up in the rest of those chapters. For us who are reading a straight English Bible, it kind of doesn't matter, right? And uh, we've got the translation either way. But just so you know, there are two languages in Daniel. There's Hebrew and Aramaic. And the Aramaic is capturing this interaction with the Gentile rulers and their understanding of what God had to say of what was coming, okay? And uh, everybody say, that's a big deal. It is a big deal, man. We've got a lot that God's revealing, and now he's showing us, even across nations and languages, what's happening. They said in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. If you do not make known for me the dream and the interpretation. Everybody say and. and. So we get what that word means, right? It's not either or. They don't have a choice. They have to deliver both up or they are in trouble. Tell me what I dreamed. Can you imagine the look on the faces of these magicians? And, and they're like, what? You want me to tell you what you've dreamed, and then you want me to tell you what it means? Yes, that's what I want. And you're going to kill us if we can't do that. That would be my plan. All right, good deal. Glad we understand the plan. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word for me is firm, right? He's like, I'm not toying, I'm not messing with this. I will tear you limb from limb if you do not get this resolved. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor, right? Got to hear his tone of voice change. He's like, just so you know, it's going to be awesome if you can do it. And uh, therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show you its interpretation. Like, all right, all right, I understand the plan, king, I got it. Here's another plan. How about you tell me the dream and then I'll just try and tell you what it means. How about that? Because that one, at least we got a shot at. Uh, how about we try that one? And uh, this was their second time of answering as they asked it over again. The king answered and said, 
I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time. Uh, do you think? Right? Like, if you can't do this, you die. Okay, hang on, I got a new idea. Right? And uh, trying to bring it out as clearly as I can. He says, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there has been one sentence for you. And then I love this phrase. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can tell me its interpretation. He's like, listen to me. You lie. You lie a lot. And how do I know your interpretation stands? You can make up anything. And uh, you lie until the end of times, he says here. And uh, is that really a shock? Look, the magicians and the enchanters and the who are they going and talking to? They're going and talking to demonic forces to get information. Like, is it really a shock that they would end up talking like the demons, bringing across lying and cheating and deceiving and saying things that are not true, but they sound glorious? The king's like, you're supposed to be my wise men. And I'm telling you more than one time, you have gotten me into trouble with what you say is true when it's really not. And I'm not interested in your lying anymore. I want truth. And that's the end of it. And uh, the king was pretty flat out clear. He says, therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult. And no one, can you hear the whining? Right? We better hear this with whining all the way along. No one can do what you've asked. No one has asked anybody this before. This is unfair. And uh, the thing that the king asks is difficult. No one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. And uh, everybody just say, that's not true. It's not true. They don't know what they're talking about. And uh, hear me now. Let's walk through and break this down. He says, there's no man who can give you this information. Okay, that part's true. And uh, look, man, we can't read minds. And I'm not sure what's going on. There's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. No great or powerful king has asked such a thing. That might have been true too. They might have landed that part as well. It says, the king asked a difficult thing. Oh, that's true too. And uh, so far, they're three for three. And, uh, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. And that part's not true. And uh, note this. We serve an amazing God, and he is not distant and other. He is right here with us. And man, when he introduced Jesus Christ back in prophecy, he said his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Dude, they do not understand who the king of the universe is. And they think there is some distant God. That's all there is. He isn't playing with flesh. He doesn't talk to us and we cannot communicate with him. They miss who God, everybody say they missed it. They missed it, man. They are going to a God of otherness and distance and he's cold and he doesn't care and he's the only one who has the info and they can't possibly know anything from him. And so they've gone to much lower levels of force, to these demonic forces, getting information. And man, have they missed out. Nebuchadnezzar, looking at them, can you imagine? He's like, all right, here's the deal. I need dream and interpretation. They're like, oh, how about you give us the dream? We'll give you the interpretation. How about that plan? Look, I stand firm. Oh, come on, that's not even fair. They're whining to the king in front of them, right? What would the king's response be? Verse 12. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious. Not just furious, very furious, right? And, uh, and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. How many? All right. 
Have you ever been in one of these moments where you're like, that's it, kill everyone, <laughs> right? I'm done with it, wipe them out. I really don't want to hear it anymore. End all of their lives. I'm sick of it. And they're like, all, all, every last one of them. I don't want any of them breathing anymore. Get them out of my presence. Okay, you've spoken, right? And the last thing you want to do is get yourself in between the king and his all request. And so you are going to go about making that happen. And so the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Why would they be killing Daniel? Well, remember in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel was able to... Uh, do this thing where he was not eating the food that they were eating, and yet he got way healthier. He was being trained, and he got way smarter. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right, the four ended up becoming these brilliant men, and the king was impressed with their wisdom and prowess, and in fact, he had lumped them in with these advisors and counselors and placed them even over at some level. And, uh, and so, yes, they were actually going to be killed as well, to kill them as well, it says. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. Those are some great words, man. Daniel's like, hang on, hang on. Let's think a little bit. What are we going to say here? How does this work? Man, the last thing you do is come storming in and whine and complain. But that's the first thing that the magicians and enchanters did. Not Daniel. Everybody say, not Daniel. Not Daniel, man. With prudence and discretion. Daniel says to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon, he declared to Arioch, the king's captain, hear me now, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Do you hear that? Here's what he did not say. Why is the king so unfair? Right. Everybody say he didn't say that. He didn't. The magician said that. This is unfair. It's undoable. No one's asked such a thing. They go with the not prudent, declaring the king wrong and unfair. Daniel goes with the well thought out. Why so urgent? Help me understand what needs to come down right now and why. And uh, in the midst of his prudence and discretion and pulling out the so urgent moment of it, he is now not questioning the rightness of it. He's just wondering why the timing. That's all I'm wondering here. Just a little bit of discretion as he's being careful in what he says. Ariok made the matter known to Daniel. Doesn't say what he said. But can you imagine how that went down? Well, here's where it lands, bro. You're dead. Uh, bottom line, gave the uh, magicians and the enchanters a chance to speak, and uh, they had to tell him a dream. King's been up all night, every night, the last number of days, and he's sick of it. It's driving him nuts. There's an anxiety going, and I'm telling you, speaking personally, I need this thing answered fast, man. This king is getting sideways with a lot of people, but I'll tell you, He's not about to tell anybody what the dream was. He wants to know you've tapped into something super powerful. And so the answer is, you're going to have to tell him the dream. And nobody can. So you and all of your wisdom and counsel, bro, you're dead. That's where it lands. And, uh, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Daniel's like, got it. I'll take care of this. And Ariak's like, what? He's like, I got it. I'm going to tell him his dream, and I'm going to tell him his interpretation. Oh, is that right? That's right. And I'm sure the Ariak's like, well, what do I have to lose? Either way, you're going to die. Right? I'll let you go in, and if it's wrong, and you're like, okay, here was the dream. You were dreaming of... Uh, some wheat? No, 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 it wasn't that. It was, right, that's not where he was going to, like, if he goes in and starts guessing, it's done. 
Kill him. Get him out of here. You're not going to waste my time, right? And, uh, and so Ariac's like, fine, go in and talk to him. Daniel goes in and gets a time appointed. King, I would love to talk with you. And I would love to be able to walk through the dream and the interpretation. But I need a little time. <laughs> Could we set up an appointment? And uh, I'll come back with the information. And uh, I'm going to go get it, okay? And, uh, and then we can come back and talk. And uh, Daniel is like, I'm trusting my God to give me the answer. And that's the end of it. Let's go. And uh, Daniel, stepping up in a very tough situation. Man, how do you know that Daniel is truly trusting? I just wrote this down. Three signs of true trust. Three signs of true trust. Uh, number one, true trust is unwavering in the midst of struggle. I will not step away from my God. True trust is unwavering in the midst of struggle. And uh, how do you know you have real trust? Because you're unwavering in the midst. Nothing's going to take me off of my worship of my king, and that's the end of it. Nothing. And, uh, number two, true trust stays calm in the midst of struggle. Remember it said uh, that Daniel had prudence and discretion. Man, when you are not calm, you lose your discretion. You stop thinking and you start reacting, right? And a true trust stays calm, prudence and discretion as you wrestle with your struggle. So true trust is unwavering. True trust stays calm. True trust steps out in faith in the midst of struggle. True trust steps out in faith in the midst of struggle. And a huge faith where you actually trust. You will step up to very bold levels when you're actually trusting. Yeah, I'm not really stepping out much, and I'm pretty wavering all over the place, and I'm not very calm right now. Well, then your trust isn't doing very well. Oh, no, I trust. I trust. No. No, you don't. And true trust, make sure you measure it well. And it's not some cerebral game. It'll actually be shown in your actions. It'll be shown in your heart. Make sure you're ready to trust God in the midst of your struggle. So here's my question. Ready? What struggle are you struggling with? What thing are you facing that has you devastated or scared witless? Where are you losing your sleep and longing for God to make something happen? Make sure you don't look past the obvious and a simple statement is the king had lost his sleep and he was recognizing that he needed help. How about you? And make sure you are getting before your God. Make sure you are getting with others. Do not let another day go by where you are living it alone in silence. It's time to step up and truly trust him. Unwavering calm and in full faith. I was looking for an illustrate for this, and I actually ran into a quote that I thought it may be better to just read off. This quote, super powerful, and it's by Samuel Rutherford, and he was talking about how to handle struggles and how we engage our trust. Ready? Here we go. Great first phrase. Um, duties, responsibilities, right? Duties are ours. Events are God's. Let that settle. Duties are ours. Events are God's. Man, God sovereignly ordains every single event that comes down. And as that event is set in place, we don't stand up and say, God, what are you doing? Now we're questioning the event and the sovereignty of the leading of the event. God, why are you? Lord, what do you have me to do? Duties are ours. Events are God's. Now he goes on. When our faith goes to meddle with events and to hold account upon God's providence, we begin to say, how will you do this or that? Or why will you do this or that? And we lose ground. We have nothing to do there. 
It is our part to let the Almighty exercise his own office and steer his own helm. There is nothing left for us but to see how he may approve of us as we follow him and how we might roll the weight, I love this phrase, of our weak souls upon him who is omnipotent, God himself. Man, which game are you in? Questioning the event or seeking to find your responsibility? Letting God lead or trying to take control? Where are you at in the midst of your suffering? With great prudence and discretion, Daniel asked subtle questions to allow God to lead. He did not go in boisterous, complaining and whining, demanding that this event be viewed as unfair, but instead said, God's got a plan. Now what do we do? Simple question. What are you struggling with? Are you ready to put it in the Almighty's hands? I love this phrase. To roll the weight of your weak soul upon him who is omnipotent, God himself. Are you ready to trust with all you've got, hand it to him and watch him move? Are you ready for God to be glorified? As you do not question the event, he is sovereign. Lord, what do you have me to do? And all of God's people said, now that's handling a struggle with trust, right? Number two, pray hard. In dark circumstances, do not push away from your God. Rather, draw close in prayerful dependence. Pray hard. In dark circumstances, do not push away from your God. Rather, draw close in prayerful dependence. And uh, here we go. It says, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. Daniel went to his friends and said, Brothers, (laughs) pray like you have never prayed before. Man, I need help here. Storm the throne of mercy. Notice not grace. Storm the throne of mercy and ask God to reveal. And uh, Man, there are some power steps in here on how to handle prayer. And so let's just break it down as we see it, right? Step one, get prayer warriors. Do not go it alone. Man, step one, make sure you get prayer warriors. He is running out and he's talking to the three that he came from Judah with, the ones he knows that God is blessing. They are pouring it on for God and he knows it. Man, don't go to somebody who doesn't know God or trust God at all. Go to someone who's got their walk on fire with him and say, will you please pray with me and for me? And uh, maybe you're going to somebody in your impact group. Maybe you're going to your impact group leaders Maybe you're rallying some friends that have been long-term family or friends. Maybe you're calling up some pastors. Maybe you're writing it down in the registers. Man, these registers that we take each week with the prayer section at the bottom, we take that for real. We storm the throne of grace. We cry out on your behalf. We long for God to move. Man, take advantage. Get fully protected. Step one. Make sure you get some prayer warriors on your behalf. And um, he says, and he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven. Step two, be humble. Be humble. Notice, Daniel's request is not for God to be fair. God, get your act together. You're wrong on this. He said, please cry out for his mercy. Do you know what that means, mercy? Mercy. That means hold back from us what we rightly deserve. So he is literally saying, God, I'm not saying I don't deserve to die. I'm just saying, Lord, could you please spare our lives in this case and show mercy? We stand before you as a small being in need of a giant savior. Mercy. Man, be humble. Don't see yourselves as huge before your God. See yourselves as small 
that weak soul in need of an omnipotent God. Be humble. And it said, seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And uh, number three, be real. Be real. Uh, Get prayer warriors, be humble, be real. Notice what Daniel says. He's not like, hey, let's just go to our God and say, God, just whatever. We just want to make sure you're honored. And uh, start saying all the church ease phrases. Lord, it's all for you. It's all for your name. And uh, just want to show you off. And uh, those are all great phrases, but here's the real deal. And save our lives, right? Lord, here is my specific request. Man, as you go to your God in prayer, be real, be specific. Be real, be specific. This is exactly what I'm praying for. Lord, we long for you to do a work. I love the request that he has here, that we not, might not be destroyed with the rest of the men of Babylon. Do you hear that? You can destroy them if you want, God. Like that, I think that's what he's saying. Whatever you want with them. Lord, with the four of us, would you be able to save our lives? That would be my request. And he's being super specific and narrow. He's like, I'm not the one who stood in the presence of the king and said the insane they were. And whatever you see right to do there, I let you do. But God, could you protect our lives? Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And so step four, wait on God. Wait on God. Hey, just so you know, Daniel went to them, he rallied them, and they started praying. And then he went back home, and he was praying. And he's like, Lord, could you please? Nothing. Lord, if you could reveal this dream soon, it would be great. Because I have an appointment. And God, if you could, nothing. And nothing, have you ever been there? Where you're praying and asking and God's saying, hang on, I'm doing something that you don't know. Hang on and trust. Remember unwavering. We pray unwavering. Daniel goes to bed that night. Can you imagine falling asleep finally where you're like, can't believe no answer yet. And as he's beginning to lay down and his head is beginning to hit the pillow or whatever they laid on back then. And he begins to fall asleep. The final prayers, God, I am waiting to hear from you. And he falls asleep. And what happens? Well, in the middle of the night, a vision is given. And God answered with a yes. Yes, I will give you the dream. And yes, I will give you the interpretation. And yes... You can have everything you've asked for here. Man, have you ever had one of those moments where the exact prayer you prayed was answered in full? And those are huge moments of celebration. And uh, whatever it is you're looking for, whatever you're going after, whatever you've seen God do, may God be glorified in all of it. And uh, Daniel here, he says, step five, praise and thank God for however he answers. Daniel's answer here. Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever. Why? Because God does not change. And for all eternity, this is who he is. And I will worship this God who will forever be like this. And forever and ever, to whom belongs wisdom and might. And he knows everything. And he can do anything. Wisdom and might. And uh, Daniel's blessing and praising God. He changes the times and seasons. Here are some statements on sovereignty. He changes times and seasons. He controls the weather. He controls hurricanes. He knows what's going on. And our job is not to question the event, but to say, God, what is our responsibility in it? And all of God's people said, and man, he is sovereign over the seasons and the times. He removes kings and sets up kings. He sets up and deposes leadership. He is overall authority. God is sovereign. 
He gives wisdom and to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. God knows. Everybody just say, he knows everything. He knows everything. He even knows what's in the mind and the heart of darkness. And I love this phrase. And yet the light dwells with him. He doesn't know it by firsthand experience failing in the darkness. God is not darkness. God is light. And in him is light. And yet he knows what the darkness is thinking, feeling, wanting, moving, and desiring. He knows darkness. And he knows how to address it with his light. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He says here, To you, O God, my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and you have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Daniel's dream was Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and Daniel now knows exactly what the dream is and what the interpretation is. Praise be to God. Man, God is setting up a massive statement to Daniel of here's what I am doing. And he is working powerfully in it. And uh, so when we face a crisis, we need to rally with prayer partners. We need to get humble. We need to get real and specific. We need to long for God to work as we wait upon him. And we need to praise and thank him along the way. Five steps. And uh, this past week has been deeply tragic in many ways. And God is sovereign over the event. Hurricane Matthew, as it rolled through the islands and up the coast of the U.S., continental U.S., God is sovereign. And God knows what he's doing. And all of God's people said, Man, we got to know him for that and we got to love him in that. And it doesn't mean that there aren't needs that have been left and tragedies that have ensued and things where we can partake. Now, Lord, show us our responsibility. And Lord, how can we come before you and pray? And so here's what I'm going to ask right here and right now. Let's just take some time in point number two here. And I'm going to have Larry come on up and, and uh, let's just take a little bit of time here. We're going to spend a little time Worshiping our God in prayer. I'm asking you, will you be a prayer warrior on behalf of Haiti? We have a ton of connect down there. We've planted some churches down there. We have literally thousands of people in the Harvest Bible chapels in Haiti. Will you long for them? Hear me now. Healing where healing is needed. Wisdom and discernment for God to do a work. Lord, what would you have us to do down there? Praying. And let's just take a moment right here, right now in this service as we pray for all of those devastated by Hurricane Matthew and specifically for those in Haiti. Let's just pray and bring it before our God. Remember, you are coming, invited as a mighty man, a mighty woman, bringing prayer to our King a warrior in prayer for him. Heavenly Father, hear our prayer now. Lord, hear us as we worship you. We come before you. We trust you. You are sovereign. Lord, there are times where we do not understand the events. It is not ours to question. We come to you on our knees humbly and we watch you work. Lord, hear the prayers of this body as we long on their behalf. Hear our prayers, Lord. And just take a moment where you are to worship him and bring your prayer before him. focus. Don't drop what we're here for. Bring it to your God. Wisdom, discernment, healing, an opportunity to be a light, 
that Christ might be glorified, his name might be lifted up, his church might be built. Bring it to your God. Now I'm going to ask this. The needs are extensive and go well beyond what we've covered so far. And uh, we don't really know what they're all going to end up being. We know crops have been damaged, animals have been lost, homes have been destroyed, livelihoods are done, and they're devastated. Next steps are huge. And uh, our passion is to put the churches, the Harvest Bible chapels down there that we're connected with, to put them in direct contact with being able to be the hands and feet of Christ. And so our passion is to be able to collect some money here. We've had people who have asked, can we give in some way? And so that's what we're doing here. We're giving you an opportunity to give. Man, if you are in a spot where you cannot give, then do not give. Please hear us on that. Please hear me loudly on that. If it is best and wisest for your family to not be giving right now, then don't. We're good with that. But man, if you are in a spot where you can give over and above what you give regularly, over and above, just saying, Lord, use this. We want to get this into the hands of those churches, those harvests down there where they can be a light in a dark world, where they can provide, where they can rebuild, where they can help take things on, not just for the next day or week, but months, who knows how long, maybe even a year out. Lord, help us to take that stand with them. We would love to partner with you in that. And just take a moment, talk to your spouse, reason it out if you haven't already talked. What makes sense to give? If it's zero, we're great with that. If it's more, we're great with that. Make sure you've made a decision together what it looks like to give. Heavenly Father, we long to be able to collect here, to be able to be the hands and feet for you. And we don't even know in what all ways. We know there's a school completely obliterated. We know there's hundreds of homes out. We know there's people in dire need. Lord, may we come alongside whatever that looks like. We long for you to be glorified. And uh, Lord, as we give this, we give over and above, looking to make your fame and your name lifted up in Haiti. We're just going to ask the ushers now to come on down. Everything you give here will go 100% to the Harvest Haiti churches. 100% goes to them. All right? Every single thing. Every dollar. Every check. And uh, just make sure that uh, you're giving here knowing this will go to them. And uh, if you want to give a little bit later this week, we can't accept throughout this week, just put in the memo Haiti Initiative. Haiti Initiative and we can get that to them. And, uh, but we do want to be able to get this to them as fast as we can. Just continue to make this a time of worship. If the offering's been passed by you, that's great. Let's just take a moment to reflect. We still got a third point we're going to walk through. Father God, hear our prayers as we long for Pastor Abraham, for Harvest Jack Mel to be a center point, an anchor point of light in a hurting and dark world. Lord, we just thank you for the giving spirit and the passion of people here to be able to make much of your name in your church. And we long to see things done in Haiti. Maybe that's the whole point of this, is calling more to you. Whatever it is, God, we trust you and we lean on you and we can't wait to see what work you do. Take a moment to thank your God for who he is. 
and humbly request before him. for who you are. You are our king, our omnipotent, almighty creator, God. You know all. You can do all. And we long to make much of you. Father God, we pray you would use these monies given as a time of worship, as a time of offering, Lord, just that it would bless those who have given here. And Lord, we pray now that it will also bless the churches down there. May there be great wisdom and discernment as we share down into the churches to rebuild and do great and mighty things in your name and for your fame. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. And we continue to storm the throne of grace throughout this week, longing for great insight to come on where we can be moving next together with them. It's in your mighty name we pray these things. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Can I just say, I love you guys. I love doing ministry with you guys. I love watching your heart forgiving that uh, days before we'd even made a decision if we were going to be doing this, there are people saying, can we have a chance to give? Could something like that happen? And quite frankly, we were holding back to make sure there was a real need first and uh, being wise to that. And uh, we had good confirmation on Friday. There's a ton going on. So thank you for your heart. Thank you for your heart of giving. We'll continue to keep you updated on some of what's going on and letting you know how things are going to be going down there. And we're just excited to see what God does in the midst of this suffering. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. All right, one last point here. Point number three. Praise humbly. Always give God the proper credit, drawing attention to his greatness, not yours. Praise humbly. Always give God the proper credit, drawing attention to his greatness, not yours. Verse 24, therefore Daniel went in to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, in haste, like, we better get this done fast or heads are going to start rolling, right? And so he hurries in here and he says, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. Please hear me. He did not walk in and say, I have found someone who's willing to take a chance. Everybody say he didn't say that. He didn't walk in and say, I found someone who thinks they know, but I'm not about to back them. So I'll put them in here if you want to hear from them, but that's between you and him. What do you want to do? Didn't say that. Everybody say he didn't say that. No, he fully backed Daniel. He looked Daniel in the eyes and he's like, are you sure you've got this? And Daniel's like, I've got this. He's like, all right. I've got someone who's got the answer, king. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Are you hearing that? He's like, hey, I got a guy who's got the interpretation. Yeah, that's not what I asked for. Do you have the and plan going here? And uh, yeah, I've got them both. Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. Can you imagine that sentence coming out? And the king looks at him and does one of these eye rolls. Like, oh, another one coming in here to tell me you can't do it, right? And uh, as Daniel says, nobody can do that. But 
But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. Can you imagine this moment? He's like, nope, there's not a guy who can handle it. But there's a God in heaven who can. And now I'm going to tell you what your dream is and what the interpretation is. Here's how it lays out. Your dream and the vision of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what is to be. The one who reveals the mystery reveals it because he's the one who assigns it. God is sovereign. He reveals it as he's saying, I will be doing this. And he's telling it to one of the greatest kings that existed, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. God revealing out the mysteries of what he would go through. But as for me, Daniel says, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of my wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known, made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. King, hear me. I don't know this because of me. I know this because of my God. And you need to understand that he is amazingly great and he's got a plan for you and he's revealed to you what he's going to do. It's between you and the God of the universe. And next week we're going to talk through what is that dream and what is that interpretation. Man, do you believe God is sovereign? Do you believe it? Answer, do you believe it? Yeah, the answer is yes, right? I believe God is sovereign. I believe he's got it. I believe my God has this in control. First challenge, when something comes down that you don't like. Now, do you believe God is sovereign? Man, our challenge in the midst of struggle is to say, God, no matter what, I will be unwavering. You have this. And all of God's people said, Amen. Daniel chapter 2, first half, as we lean on a sovereign God. Let's pray.